Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Unplayable Podcast, coming to you live from Trivandrum in southern India, where Australia have just made the announcement on their ODI World Cup squad. Well, actually, it was yesterday, but today we spoke to the Chief of Selectors, Mr. George Bailey, to run through the selections and the one change that they made from the provisional squad. So we're going to get into that today and discuss uh, just where Australia's chances lie with the current 15 that they've chosen. My name is Josh Shonafinger, joined by Jack Painter. We're currently in our hotel room because it is bucketing outside, and it has been since we got here. Um, but uh, doesn't really affect anything, does it? Because the matches are still a couple of days away. Yeah, so we've got the one warm-up match against the Dutch tomorrow. It doesn't look promising. Rain still forecast for tomorrow. And it's also put a dint in the boys' golf plans. So <laughs> no doubt they would have planned for a golf day today, but uh, the weather has curtailed that. So the simulator it is. Yeah, I think inside activities today. But uh, let's jump into that squad because, as we know, they announced a provisional squad. What was that, maybe a month ago or so? Um, yeah, start of September, I think it was. And um, only one change to that. Uh, Manus Labashain coming in, Ashton Agar out. And Travis Head, the uh, big news is uh, they've decided to carry him through the first half of the tournament uh, until hopefully he comes online and can play the second half as Australia pushed towards the finals. Yeah, I noticed George was saying until head comes online a lot today. Is that the new phrase for joining the squad, is it? <laughs> Sounds like it. It slipped into me as well, so thanks, George. <laughs> uh, so let's have a look at the squad just for a refresher for those who maybe aren't quite up to date. The batters are David Warner, Mitchell Marsh, Marnus Lovis, Shane, Steve Smith, Travis Head. Uh, the keepers, Alex Carey and Josh Inglis. The all-rounders, well, Marsh is, of course, an all-rounder. Marcus Stoinis, Glenn Maxwell and Cameron Green. So plenty of all-round options there if they do want to change up their structure, which we'll get to in a bit. The spinner is Adam Zampa. He's going to go it alone with no uh, Ashton Agar there next to him. And the quicks, of course, the big three, Cummins, Stark and Hazelwood. They'll be supported by Sean Abbott if required. We've also got a couple of reserves in Matt Short and Tanvir Sanger who are sticking with the squad for now. Not quite sure if they're going to see out the whole tournament as travelling reserves, but uh, for now they're going to hang around. I think it's a bit of a play-it-by-ear situation with those guys. They'll have a look uh, at the warm-up matches, see how they go, and then potentially they could stay around for a bit longer. Uh, they're both sort of like-for-likes, I guess. You know, Matt Short for uh, Maxwell and Travis Head and then Tanvir Sanger, obviously, for Adam Zampa. So they've got some options there should they need to call on some reinforcements for the bowling department. Well, let's talk about Travis Head because that's the big one. He's got that fractured hand at the minute. He's currently in Australia recuperating and recovering and they obviously rate him so highly that they're prepared to go with uh, a 14-player squad effectively for the first half of the tournament, maybe more. We don't really have a time frame on him just yet. Why don't we hear what George Bailey said about the decision to carry Travis Head into the squad? First and foremost about him just re- recovering and that's the hurdle that he's he's got to overcome. He's got a broken bone, so... So, yeah, there's not a specific date in terms of a game that we've sort of lined up. Um, and 
I guess it's we were aware of the risk that if you know if there is a setback there at some point, then it, it makes it really challenging for Trav. But he's a really important player for us. Um, he's he's certainly a player who's in our first choice eleven, and um, you know hopefully when he does come online, whenever that is, and, and he's available, um, he can he can have a really important impact for us uh, towards the back end of the tournament. As you can hear it from George, it's a bit of a risk uh, taking him in uh, to the early stage of the tournament when he's not going to play, but he has been the standout player in this format for Australia and you know across all formats really um, for the past you know nine to twelve months. So he's definitely a match winner that can play a role um, at the back end of the tournament. And you know who knows? We did ask George if he could bat at three if Marsh is going quite well at the top of the order with David Warner. He didn't really be drawn on that but you know they've got plenty of options at the top of the order and that's what head provides when he does come back in yeah well head missed selection for the 2019 world cup and since that tournament he's actually been uh, australia's most consistent one day batter highest average of the aussie batters with the average of 60.8 in the format and a strike rate of 119.8 that's across 16 matches with seven 50 plus scores so he's in the form of his life and you can understand why a player of his um, ability and someone who can change the game as quickly as he can you can understand why they want to keep him exactly and the other factor you know that worked against Ashton Agar is that he's only played four matches in total since the end of the the big bash so he hasn't played a lot of cricket he's had a, a bit of a torrid time with injury um, and he's you know missed the South Africa series well he played one game and, and played a crucial role but then um, got a calf injury and, and had to go home and then the birth waiting waiting the birth of his first child so um, George Bailey just said they couldn't afford to carry you know two injured players in their squad of fifteen and they thought that you know Travis Head was uh, going to play a, a bigger role in their title hopes. Yeah, so I wonder if uh, Agar's calf was you know fully fit and ready to go if he would have kept his spot on the side, but it's just one of those hypotheticals. I guess we won't know at this stage. It means Australia are going to commit to the one spinner policy, uh, which they had success with in the. 2021 T20 World Cup, of course. All, all the teams in the UAE that year went with a couple of spinners. Australia didn't. They went with Adam Zampa backed up by Glenn Maxwell. And uh, George Bailey believes Glenn Maxwell is more than an all-rounder, doesn't he? He does. He was pretty quick to uh, shut down the one specialist spinner angle. Well, I think the starting point of that is I'm not sure. It's, I think it's unfair on, on Maxie to say that he's not a specialist spinner. I think um, he's white ball. T20 and one day spinning record is is pretty handy, um, and I think you could very much consider him a, a frontline option. So you know we certainly consider it that we've got we've got two frontline um, spinners within our within our first choice eleven. Maxwell, you know, coming off a career best of four for forty, definitely show that he's capable of bowling ten overs. It's just that just that he's also coming off a bit of an injury, um, had a bit of a flare up of that left ankle that he broke last year. So whether he can sustain ten overs for the entire tournament, it's a long tournament, nine games across, you know, forty five days. So um, we did ask George Bailey what sort of his thoughts were around, you know, another spin option should Maxwell have to, you know, rest or Zampa have to rest um, or if they needed more than 20 spin overs. Um, and he said they have a few options, I guess. But, um, you know, they're sticking true to that pro- that approach of, you know, playing the quicks and, and Zampa as the spinner. Mm, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that one plays out. Obviously, we know the quality of those three big quicks, but uh, there's no other at the minute. I mean, there's plenty of all-rounders in this squad. I'm looking at Stoyness, I'm looking at Marsh, I'm looking at Green, and, and Marsh says he will return to bowling when the World Cup comes around. But then Maxwell sort of the only all-rounder who bowls spin at the minute. Obviously, Smith and Labuschagne have bowled plenty of spin in the past, but in this 
format of the game, it's probably unlikely that we're going to see them bowl at all. Warner, of course, at the top, he won't bowl either. So as far as other spin options in the 11, uh, it's pretty few and far between. Yeah, I think they'd have to be pretty uh, desperate to bowl Smith and Marnus during the tournament. I know they have bowled a lot in international cricket, but they haven't bowled a lot recently. So they're, you know, short boundaries. They're a bit, you know, out of touch with their bowling. So, you know, that that could provide a scoring opportunity for for the opposition. So I think that's unlikely at this stage. But in saying that, uh, we've put up a a stats piece on all the venues that Australia will play at on the cricket.com.au website and the CA Live app. And you'll notice that, Pace bowlers have taken more wickets at every one of the venues that, barring one, um, that Australia is going to play at, which is Lucknow, and uh, they've taken 26 wickets apiece. And that's a fairly new venue as well. Australia's never played there. So, um, you know, perhaps stacking your attack with quicks in ODI cricket is is the way to go because especially even in India as well because, you know, um, predominantly, you know, pace bowlers have more spots than the 11. Um, it's not necessarily the case here, but they're still, they're still taking more wickets. Mm. And I guess as far as other options for Australia go in the spin department, there's not a whole lot of players with international experience to come in now that Lyon is injured, Agar's injured. You, you've got Matt Kuhneman who played a few ODIs in Sri Lanka last year. Swepson's played a bit, but he's a bit out of favour at the minute. Todd Murphy obviously played in India but doesn't have a lot of list A cricket under his belt. So maybe they're thinking, well, we can get a better result out of an experienced quick than uh, an inexperienced spinner. There's sort of been a phase now where there's a big divide between the, the, the players in the squad and who have played a lot for Australia and the players who are new and coming into the squad, your likes of Sanger, Hardy, Matt Short. Um, those guys haven't played a lot of international cricket and I guess that over the last sort of month they've tried to expose them but they're still very raw um, and inexperienced at the international level so yeah it would be a risk bringing you know one of those spinners in but um, you know Sanger, Sanger bowled quite nicely the other night uh, in the third ODI when he got his chance with Zamp arrested uh, had a taste of it in in South Africa and we, we know what he can do in the Big Bash He's he's been doing that since he was 18 years old so um it's just a matter of if he's ready for the cauldron of a World Cup uh, in India. Mm. Of course, Ben Menenti is doing good things back <laughs> home as well. He's one of our favourites on the Unplayable podcast. Uh, Manus Labuschagne, he's the one that comes in. Uh, I remember when the initial provisional squad was named and uh, Manus wasn't in there and he put up a post a few days later on Instagram saying uh, that he's working on his one-day game and there was a bit of footage from him in the nets. And I remember seeing the comments saying that, uh, you know, a lot of people getting stuck into him. Oh, mate, you're not in the World Cup squad. Why are you bothering all this sort of thing? But he went to South Africa, credit to him. He wasn't even picked in that first one day, but he got a crack as the concussion substitute. A bit of deja vu for him there. And then 100 the next game, and he's batted well in the, in this series too, getting a good score in that third match in Rajkot. So uh, it's it's well-deserved for Manus. He's certainly changed, and he's got some impressive numbers that you've uh, dug out, Jack. Yeah, he's proved those guys on Instagram wrong, hasn't he? Um, when he got his chance with Steve Smith missing that series with his injury. But you know, prior to South Africa in ODI cricket, his career strike rate was 74.9. In the eight games since, he's been striking at 97.7. And the other night, he, I think he was at over 120 in the third ODI as he sort of anchored Australia's middle order. Um, to ha- allow them to post, you know, 350 plus. In that innings, he only faced 16 dot balls of his 58 um, that he faced for his 72 runs and only hit nine boundaries. So that's not a, a lot of boundaries, um, but he was able to, you know, find the gaps, work the ones and the twos in the, in the impressive heat as well and turn the strike over. So I think that's a real plus and he's really improved, you know, his one-day batting as, as he said he was going to. If you look at 
the dot ball percentage of Australia's batters, um, only Travis Head has a fewer uh, dot balls faced in, in his innings, and that's 45.5%, and Labashani's 45.7%. And so that's in the, the last couple of couple of series so that's a big plus for australia and he's been the top run scorer in odis for 2023 for australia just off the back of what he's done in the last eight games yeah and that's his role isn't it he's got to be the one who ticks the strike over in those middle overs because there's so much power at the end of the innings and also at the top of the innings i guess with marsh and and warner it's not his role to hit boundaries every ball it's his role to get those singles and um, make sure the dot balls are as few as possible and make sure that australia bat deep as well and those power hitters can come in at the end because we've seen you know, six times since the last World Cup, Australia's been bowled out um, prior to the 40th over and three of those have come in the last eight eight games. So that's the most of any team since the last World Cup who's going to be at this World Cup. Um, and it's been a big problem of late. So if Labuschagne can, you know, string that middle order momentum together and get Australia going deep, then that allows those hitters to come in towards the back end and Australia can push the total up, you know, 350, possibly 400 on these smaller grounds in India. George Bailey was asked about uh, the challenge that was set to Marnus Labuschagne about earning his spot in the side, and here's what he had to say. I love the way um, he's grabbed the opportunity as he's he's come back into the team through South Africa and then and um, and through this series in India. I love the intent and the way he's gone about, particularly starting his innings um, and his ability to to sort of maintain the momentum of the uh, the starts that the top order have been getting. So that's really important. Um, you know, I thought what, the way he spoke about his omission um, earlier was was spot on, um, and you know wholeheartedly agree. I don't think we've ever doubted that he doesn't have the ability to to play a really important role through that middle order. Um, we just hadn't seen it, but um, you know since he's he's come back in, he's been fantastic, uh, provided some really good impetus in the field as well. So um, yeah, it's been really pleasing. Yeah, so it's quite a comeback for Labuschagne. It's looking like he might be the starting number four in this side now after being out of the squad completely. So credit to him. Just a bit further up that order, uh, it's been Warner and Marsh who have been dominating so far in this series. Travis Head, who isn't here yet, uh, he will obviously join the squad where he can, but if he can't, if he has a setback in that injury, we've got an update on what could happen with his position. Yeah, so George Bailey said that they can replace him um, if he doesn't regain fitness. They just have to get ICC approval. So, you know, they can potentially bring another player in for him um, later down the track. Um, but, you know, Marsh has been going quite well at the top of the order. It's his best position um, so far in ODI cricket. You've got some stats around that, don't you? Yeah, he averages 73 when he opens the batting in uh, ODI cricket, which is a pretty good rate for someone who hasn't done a lot of it in the past. So if that continues throughout the whole World Cup, uh, he might end as the leaning run scorer. And, and Warner as well, you know, he's really come into his own these last two series um, in India and South Africa. That's his highest striking um, series since the last World Cup. So 127.8 against India recently, um, 121.2. The problem just being he gets out once he reaches 50. So if he can put you know a big score on the board, he could go really deep and really set Australia's innings up because he's been striking, you know, hitting boundaries freely. Um, he's been looking really good. He just you know, tries a little bit too much after he passes 50. Yeah, so Warner scores this series of 52, 53 and 56. Jack, as a, as a neutral observer, would you rather your opener get a 50 every match but not go on or get 100... You know, let's say every fourth or fifth match, and get nothing in the other innings. 
I think I'd take the 50 every you, match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because he's, he's setting up the innings. And as we saw the other night, Marsh kicked on and got to, to 96. Smith came in, hit 74, I think it was. Manus after that, 72. So all all the top four all made 50s. Obviously, you'd love someone to go on and get a really big 100 and you know really take that score up towards you know, 350, 400. Um, but I think if he can set the platform of you know fifty off thirty forty balls, then that's a that's a tick for Australia. Yeah, Warner's form has been pretty good, so that's a great sign for Australia. Why don't we just have a quick look at the keepers? Australia have decided to keep Josh Inglis in the squad as the backup uh, keeper to Alex Carey, of course, who had that fantastic twenty nineteen World Cup and uh, saved Australia's bacon on a couple of occasions. And it's been Alex Carey who has been the number five in this position as well, and it looks like that's where he'll start in this tournament. He hasn't uh, scored many runs, particularly in India, but he had a good South African tour. Yeah, he got a 99 there towards the end of the series, um, found some form. You know, he's he's another key in the middle order, isn't he? He doesn't strike as, you know, uh, doesn't hit the ball as, as big as, you know, some of the hitters coming in, but, you know, like Labashain, he can manoeuvre the balls into the gaps, run hard, you know, Ernie's runs that way and then take the innings deep and then eventually those hitters will come in after that and and boost that total. Inglis is a good one to have as a reserve because he can bat anywhere in the order. He's been very versatile. We did some numbers and his best position wasn't ironically number five as well. So uh, perfect like for like there and if somebody, one of the other batters gets injured, well, he can slot in as a specialist bat as well. And another uh, reserve after that uh, has played a fair bit of late, actually. Sean Abbott, he'll um, be the fourth quick behind the big three, Cummins, Stark and Hazelwood, who ironically the other night was the first time they'd played together in ODI since the 29th of November 2020, also against India, um, but that one was at the SCG. So good signs there for Australia heading into the World Cup. Uh, Sean Abbott does provide a bit with his batting as well, as we saw the other night, a couple of big hits at indoor in his uh, 50 towards the end of the innings. Unfortunately, it was in a losing cause. So plenty of options uh, in the pace bowling stocks for, for Australia heading into the World Cup. That's right. And that World Cup begins on October 8th. It's Australia against India in Chennai. Uh, the rumours are that India might play three spinners. Australia are going to go with Zamper and Maxwell, we know. So it's going to be a fascinating contest of the contrasting styles there when we get to it. Australia do also have that scheduled warm-up match, with which Jack mentioned. Uh, one against the Netherlands tomorrow here in Trevandrum and one against Pakistan in Hyderabad a couple of days later. Uh, so do keep an eye on cricket.com.au and the CA Live app for updates and scores, pictures and videos from all those matches to see who's uh, putting their name forward for that first team of the World Cup. And, of course, don't forget to subscribe to the Unplayable podcast. We're going to be bringing you recaps of every World Cup match throughout the tournament that Australia play. So if you can't stay up during those late-night finishes, uh, we'll keep you uh, fully abreast of everything that's happened over here in India. So thank you for joining us again on this episode of the Unplayable podcast, and we'll catch you on the next episode.
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 